Que pasa, Mufasa? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mycopreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Walker. And today we've got Alex and Melitza from Psilocybin SF on the podcast. We're going to be talking about their upcoming Microdosing Mushrooms Conference. This is an online one-day conference with over 500 registered participants already, and which is being produced in collaboration with some of the most familiar names in the realm of microdosing. We've been really excited because we tapped into our community for this one. So we are really lucky that we've built really good relationships with really good friends. We just learned from our audience from last year's conference when we asked them what topic they're most interested in hearing more about, and that was the topic of microdosing. Today's episode is brought to you by MicroBoost. We've got my MicroBoost mushroom coffee right here next to me and a whole range of supplements as well that I regularly consume as anyone who follows the podcast is no doubt well familiar. Please consider rating and reviewing this episode wherever you're listening. It helps us get discovered by new listeners. And finally, Mycopreneur has been nominated for Media Company of the Year. And myself, Dennis Walker, has been nominated for Reporter of the Year in the Wonderland Awards. And today is the last day you can vote. So please consider doing that. I've got the link in my Instagram bio, or you can go ahead and Google Wonderland Awards. Every vote counts. You count. You matter to me. I hope you're all having an amazing morning, an amazing afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Please consider sharing this with a friend and dropping me some feedback. Let's get down to business. Hey, Pasa Mufasa, we've got Melitza and Alex from Psilocybin SF who are getting ready to run the Microdosing Mushrooms Conference. Welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast. How's it going today in San Francisco, my friends? Hello, Dennis. Thank you very much for inviting us today. In San Francisco, it's great. We love the weather, as you know. We are getting ready for the conference, so everything is great. Let's kick it right into gear then and hear about what the Microdosing Mushrooms Conference is all about. I know you've been hard at work on it. You've got a global platform. You're working with people from all over. You're active in the community of San Francisco. And now you've got a conference with up to 500 people participating already, I believe, and hopefully a few more after this podcast. So what is the Microdosing Mushrooms Conference all about? Yeah, so... (laughs) Yes, we're hoping that way more people are joining from all over the world, which makes it much more interesting, really. Um, So the conference is really a deep dive into microdosing mushrooms. We will have covered the history of microdosing mushrooms, where it all comes from. We'll be talking about the science behind it. You know, how does it affect the brain? We have a microdosing 101 and then a bit later, a bit of a deep dive. And we're definitely going to talk about risk and harm reduction um and we have some amazing speakers you know we have like dr mike dow joining us and uh, paul austin from third wave and tiffany hurt so really really looking forward to this yeah you've got some very recognizable speakers and presenters a number of whom i've worked it i've worked with myself and have great respect for so kudos to you on putting together a dream team of microdosing educators Now, how did the two of you come into the world of microdosing? Everyone's got their origin story. It's probably arguably more popular than ever right now. And both of you have been at it for a while and advocating for microdosing education. And I'd love to hear how did you get started with microdosing? Yeah, I would just like to add that we are advocating for psilocybin use and harm reduction education, actually. It's wider than only microdosing, but yeah, microdosing is a part of it. So my personal story is I have um, started to 
be interested in microdosing um, a while back, like maybe eight to 10 years ago when I started doing therapy. Um, it was first time I did it because of curiosity. I wanted to know like, what is it all about? I heard some stories. And then when I saw a cognitive improvement after one month of using it, I was like, oh, wait, let's try using this in a um, therapeutical setting. My therapist at the time didn't know I was using it. And she noticed that I became more open to um, give her the content and to receive uh, all kinds of emotions that were arising. And that were her words, actually. So for me, it's uh, it's something I would use from time to time when I need to delve deep into my subconsciousness. That's my most favorite way of using it. How about you, Alice? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm relatively new to this. Um, frankly, I had my first round of microdosing mushrooms only last year, like last fall. And I'm just very curious about the substance, what it can do. So that's how I got into this more for cognitive enhancement, but also, you know, thinking about my grandmother and Alzheimer's and dementia. And for me, my experience was just like what Melissa said. It allowed me to be much calmer, much more focused. Um, and I'm curious to learn more about this, you know, like also our conference is kind of answering my own curiosity in many ways. And um, yeah. Lovely. So both of you are living in San Francisco. As I mentioned, off record, I went to school there and lived for five years in San Francisco. And it's a very psychedelic forward culture, right? It's got a legacy yeah. behind it. There's a lot of people who are open to trying new things and who are open to psychedelics and, and using them in a safe and intentional manner. But I would love to hear from you, what is the demographic like in your community of people who are microdosing and who are exploring it? Because historically, people who use psychedelics are typically labeled as hippies, right? Or it's kind of this like subculture. But I think we're really starting to see a lot more of a broader umbrella and canopy of people tapping into this. So I would love to hear from you. What's the demographic like in San Francisco and in your community worldwide through psilocybin SF? of people who are microdosing? Um, as we all know, microdosing came into uh, public uh, with uh, like this IT industry, uh, Bay Area people. They popularized it. It's still to this day very much popular and not only among IT industry people, but also like a corporate world. They use it for energy, for creativity enhancements, cognitive, uh, of course, as we mentioned before, there is this also young audience that uh, they're ready to try anything. So we, we all know that not only here in San Francisco, in Bay Area, but like worldwide, young audiences, um, they're prone to, to try new things. But there are two new groups that are interesting to mention. One of them is uh, moms. For They would start microdosing in the past few years for postpartum. Um, and um, I'm a postpartum mom myself. And um, I... I, I just want to uh, say out loud that if you're nursing, uh, please uh, be cautious. But if you are feeding your baby with formula, then you can experiment if you would like. I just want to, um, we, are, we are always about risks and harm reduction, educating yourself first before do it. And the second group that is very interesting, <laughs> it's elderly people. Um, recently, we uh, we were partner, we, we partnered with TEDx Marine. Uh, there was a, 
there was a talk about ibogaine so we wanted to help promote it and uh, we went there and most of the audience was elderly and before that they also made a tedx event tedx marine event uh only dedicated to psychedelics and most of them were also elderly people and um we can see the rise in our community of um of elderly who who are open to try it for cognitive as alex said uh, alzheimer as well so um it very much amazes me how people here are alive, even though uh, if they're in their 70s, you know, back where I come from, Serbia, people after 50, 60, they would not feel confident trying these kind of things. So it's very much unique to, to Bay Area, I would say. And it's a remnant it's a, of, yeah. of hippie culture, I would I, I say, yeah. Do you have anything to add to yeah. that, Alex? Yeah, I'm actually living in London. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so I'm on the other side, but I'm um, traveling and spending a lot of time um, in California. Here, I would say it's a lot more the creative scene um, that just discovered it and more and more so since COVID. So it feels like way more common and people are trying things out without doing much research. And so that's also a big topic for us, you know, just really to spread knowledge to an affordable price to really democratize the knowledge around those substances as much as we can. Well, and by the way, my grandmother does probably try out microdosing soon. So she is more than just interested in that. So I, I love this development to see like the entire like, you know, demographics now to start experimenting, but also to really do their research. Shout out grandma. That's awesome. I think that more people in that demographic can probably benefit from safe and responsible psychedelic use. And I think there's a lot of exploration and research going into that right now, including what you're doing. I was in London this summer, actually twice this year, and absolutely fell in love with East London. And there's a lot of incredible psychedelic initiatives going on out there. I got to shout out PAR, uh, Psilocybin Access Research, I believe it's called, and they're doing incredible work. I've got to shout out, of course, everything happening in Exeter in England at the University of Exeter. They just launched a psychedelic studies program in their grad school. And Darren LeBaron is based out there, a friend of mine, shout out Darren LeBaron. So really love London, such a creative community. And there's a fair amount of overlap, I think, between the creative and tech community in San Francisco and London. A lot of the same types of energy and the same creative, artistic crowd, very bohemian. And I got to shout out my man, Batuhan Bintas, Cyber Mushroom, doing great work out there as well. So we're talking to people who probably already have a frame of reference for psilocybin, for mushrooms, for psychedelics, if they're listening to this podcast. But what about the people who are still opposed to legalization or decriminalization of mushrooms and psychedelics? There's certainly still a sizable segment of society that doesn't recognize the therapeutic or the recreational benefits of psychedelics. And I think part of what we're doing with these educational campaigns and podcasts and story sharing and, and your conference, et cetera, is really trying to reach this demographic of people who maybe don't currently recognize or accept the potential and the therapeutic benefits of psychedelics. When you encounter someone like this, what do you say to them? 
Oh, this question is so layered. <laughs> I will start by saying that there are, there are two groups of people that are opposing to legalization slash demo, demo, uh, um, uh, the, oh, the criminalization. Oh my God, it's too early here. <laughs> the criminalization of, of um, plant medicine and psychedelics in general. So the first group is a public, as you mentioned, they, they are afraid of uncontrolled access to these substances because they think it will deteriorate mental health of users, the psychosis and other, they think psychosis will arise or other other mental health issues. They're, they're just afraid of unknown, I would say. And the other, they, they don't want it to be legalized nor decriminalized, uh, the, the public. But there is an, another group among uh, in, uh, psychedelic industry um, people and they, they don't want it to be legalized. They are prone for decriminalization because they think by legalizing it, corporates and big pharma will uh, take advantage of it and profit. So they're, they're, I just wanted to mention those two groups uh, when, when, when it comes to legal status. But uh, when it comes to skeptics, um, I would say if they are open to try, I would invite them to educate themselves and, uh, and just try it, you know, um, and then see for yourself. Uh, there, there. If you are afraid to do it, there are guides. There, are, um, there are other uh, practitioners who would help you uh, guide throughout the whole process. But if you are afraid to do it and you are a skeptic, just don't, don't do it and wait for new studies to come up and see for yourself. I mean, there are not many studies uh, done in the past in terms of microdosing. There are few, but methodologies are questionable. You know. Um, there was one study done last year, um, so they, they had 34 participants, and these 34 participants, they would take zero uh, only for two weeks, and one week they would take placebo, and another week they would take psilocybin mushroom, and when they would take psilocybin mushroom, it would be 0 0.5 grams, so that's um, as we all know, uh, microdosing is from 0 0.1 to 0 0.3 typically, and it needs to be done over extensive period of time. For example, minimum one month. They say maximum three months. Um, so this is not nearly enough, like two weeks. It's And doing mushrooms only for one week. And they would say in a conclusion, they wrote, um, yeah, there were some EEG um uh, changes, but we don't we we didn't find the evidence to support enhancement in well-being, creativity, and cognition. So can you imagine some like media would just copy paste their conclusion without reading the methodology, without understanding deeper? So um, this is also an invite to all uh, science and research community to just talk to microdosers and microdosing community more, and we should bridge the gap between those two. And ask microdosing community about their experience, and then that can be the base start for creating a methodology in the future. I also want to say to all the skeptics, if you uh, if you want to learn more, we have a psilocybin A to Z course uh, on, on our website, and we in this course you can hear people from maps, people from CIIS, from uh, Chakruna talk about very important stuff like trip preparation, integration, um, navigating the trip, also microdosing, all those things. So there is like all the information you need to know in one place.
Wonderful. I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to throw a question in here about stacking. Yes. <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of different functional mushrooms here from MicroBoost. I've got lion's mane, cordyceps, there's reishi, two different mixtures here. Turkey tail, I've got my immunity and my brain boost. Now, stacking is super popular, right? People like to put different things with their microdoses. What do you, if anything, what do you stack your microdoses with? Uh, Alex or me? Either. Oh, well, I, you know, um, I'm just going to start because I don't have enough um, experience, I would say, but I have been... Um, my microdosing with mushrooms and I did it with lion's mane, which I continued to take afterwards, which for me was incredibly helpful um, still just to focus my slight ADHD behavior, I would say. So that definitely helps um, to stay, to, to, to really get the benefits. I do feel maybe it has easier access to the brain, you know, I don't know, maybe it lasts longer. I wouldn't know of studies that really looked into what what it actually helps, you know, the same with niacin, where, you know, when I take niacin by its own, I can already feel it. So I'm like, you know, am I feeling it? Is it a placebo idea? Am I just that sensitive? So I guess Melissa can talk way more about this. <laughs> no, that's also my favorite, Alex. I would post them as protocol. Ah. A stacking protocol about uh, taking also with lion's mane and niacin. Uh, I, I just want to mention about niacin flush. Read about it. Uh, it's a real thing. I had it. It's not pleasant. So uh, please do your research before. I had a niacin flush in San Francisco. I had some kind of, there was a deal at one of the local stores, maybe Lucky's, I think it was, where you could get three niacin for the price of one. <laughs> And I had heard it was good, but I had no frame of reference for how to take it. And I took too much and I had a really oh niacin flush. Right. So yeah, this is the reason why it's good to have these types of educational events. Yes. We'll talk about it because yeah, people might see, ooh, lion's made niacin and psilocybin, great stack. But if you don't know, <laughs> you're supposed to keep it to a very small amount or dose size, it could potentially be troublesome. And if you don't know what's going on, as I didn't, it's very easy to get really concerned about it because uh, for anyone who hasn't had a niacin flush, it feels like your blood is boiling or in the case and that you're I, burning, your skin my is burning. whole chest was burning and I yeah. had no idea why. So again, <laughs> education is imperative. Now, speaking of education, you two have carved out a really nice lane, educating people about microdosing and building community together. If someone's new to microdosing, what are some best practices? Well, you mentioned it. Do your research you know i think it's really good to just start with informing yourself what is also the substance that really works for you um i would say you know sorry i was just jumping in here now <laughs> just really try to see what might work for you you know is it mushroom is, is, is it lsd and then also really consider where do you get your substance from you know what's about all the legality in where you are located. I think even before starting, this is just very important, but also think about, and that's why education is, is so important. Do you have any underlying issues that might be coming up when you microdose? For example, you know, if you have any, you know, problems with the heart, then, you know, microdosing might be not for you if you're already taking antidepressants you know, microdosing is not for you. I can only talk about mushrooms here. Um, but I think this is just really important. And then once you are deciding to, once you might have 
had the chance to talk with your health um, practitioner or with your doctor, um, or also had the chance to talk with some people in the community and develop a feeling, you know, then start with a super low dose and work your way up. Because we are not, dif- like, we are different on certain times of the day, you know, our bodies feel different from day to day. So maybe one day you take like the Fadiman protocol and it's a little bit higher and you're feeling fine. And the next day you're seeing, you know, stars and colors and geometric forms and you are on a whole different path. Um, you know, we say when you feel it, it's too much. <laughs> I think. Um, and I think another tip is to journal and write down your experience because you might forget what that nice in flush felt like. And you might want to read more about this, you know, like a year later, you're trying it again. And if you keep a protocol, if you keep like journaling about it, then you also, it's very personal. You develop a feeling of what works for you when, you know, especially for us women also with our menstrual cycle. And what Melissa mentioned before, you know, if you're pregnant, probably not a good idea. You know, there are just not so many studies out there. And uh, yeah. And then also, like with any supplement, and I know it's such a, it, I shouldn't call it supplement, but I'm doing it here. Um, just don't throw it and don't, you know, pop another bill and um, do it for an executive time. You know, give, give yourself some break, um, especially when it comes to these substances, you know, like, but I would also include mushrooms like lion's mane, like any adaptogens, really. Um, and it is always helpful if you can talk to a friend, if you have anybody in your community, if you have a therapist that supports you, because it's not just about microdosing and feeling better. For me, it's a lot more a tool to access something and work with, with therapist or with a coach um, on some issues. And yeah, just make it a little bit easier um, in many ways. I was lucky I have many to talk to. <laughs> Yeah. And, and uh, you know, my, I would just like to add, Alex, you summarized everything very well. I would just like to add, until you understand what your dosage is, um, you should really uh, not drive a car, for example, because you might take too much and then you're in a situation where you're in a highway and in America, highways are like eight lanes. So it can be tricky. So until you understand mm-hmm. your dose, uh, then you can just go out and about in a real world. I guess it's also the environment matters so much. You know, I, for one, cannot imagine to take anything on a party. Into the woods, sure, you know. But I think, again, it's a very personal thing. Yeah, and this goes back to what a lot of the people who are concerned about decriminalization or legalization of mushrooms and psychedelics will cite, and including a law enforcement agency or rather a a organization that represents law enforcement agencies that has 80,000 members in California publicly vilified and condemned the proposed decriminalization measures. And that was one of the, the reasons that they cited is specifically the head of this organization said, do we really want people eating mushrooms and driving cars? So whether or not very many people are doing that, that certainly exists in the popular consciousness or the imagination of organizations and individuals who may be opposed to decriminalization and legalization. And I don't think anybody has the answer for how this stuff's going to roll out. There's a number of different policy initiatives, right? There's at least three different psychedelic policy initiatives proposed for the ballot in 2024 in California alone, many more across the United States. So yes, having these transparent community frameworks 
and conferences with people who have responsibly been educating about microdosing and mushrooms, et cetera, for years. That's really wonderful to see that being conducted. So thanks for that. Thanks for putting that together. And I know you're just getting started. Now I'm very- And also, Dennis, I just wanted to mention, you see what happened with the pilot in the cockpit. They're going to use this narrative to to just turn it against uh, legalization and decriminalization, you know. So we have to be really uh, aware and educated, inviting everybody again to educate yourself before doing anything. Yeah. A hundred percent. Education ASAP. Education before regulation even. So this one, I'm very personally interested in this question because you've organized this incredible event. You've got some experience doing these types of online conferences already under your belt. And now this is probably the biggest one you've ever done, or it feels like that way to me. So can you tell us a little bit about the process involved in organizing the Microdosing Mushrooms Conference? What are some of the challenges you've come up against? (laughs) What are some of the triumphs that you're very excited about that you've been able to to accomplish in the organization of this conference? And I would love to hear just a little bit about the process behind organizing the Microdosing Mushrooms Conference. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a little bit of a um, whirlwind, I would say, this time around. Um, it's not our biggest one. The, it's a one-day conference. We had a two-day last year. We are striving to have like a bigger one next year and maybe a few smaller events. Um, I know I, I kind of love saying it's like a micro conference because it's one day and it's online to the topic of micro dosing. But um, yeah, I mean, I can say we've been really excited because we tapped into our community for this one. So we are really lucky that we've built um, really good relationships with really good friends um, also in the industry and outside the industry and uh we just learned from our audience from last year's conference when we asked them what topic they're most interested in hearing more about. And that was the topic of microdosing. That's why we decided to go for it, for it this year. And yeah, I can just say like thanks and shout out to Floris from Blossom and uh, Paul Austin, who were the first ones to support us here and jump on board. And we had so many people interested in speaking so it was a little bit hard to really think who is the right person for the right topic because for us this is not a conference where people talk about a topic and then we have audience questions and they share the personal stories which is often the case we really see it more like actual lectures so our speakers have 30 to 45 minutes to really cover a certain topic and go a bit deeper here. We don't have audience questions during the conference. We accumulate them before and after. So these questions will be addressed, but the content won't be diluted. And I think that's very important for us that we really stay on track there. And uh, I think for us, it was really good to be able to split also the topic of microdosing into subtopics, like really what's the history, which you know, I'm always very interested in like really what is the research so far? What is research inspired by community? And there we spoke a lot with Jacobian from the Microdosing Institute um, about, you know, all these subjects. And I guess one idea then inspires the next. So we had a framework of topics that we would like to be covering um, based on the questions from audience, but also what we've learned in our own studies. Um, Melissa and I both finished our own masters <laughs> in applied psychology. And so of course we had mushrooms were our topic. <laughs> yes. um, 
And then we just had like one speaker who was interested in covering a certain aspect. So we just kept shifting and changing um, the topics until the agenda felt just right. Um, I think yeah, the agenda, yeah. the agenda is, 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 uh, is very much uh, put together with, with the interest of our audience. And as well, what's different, what's, what's, uh, what's different from other microdosing conferences and events is we, at, at the end of the conference, we will have a slot, a panel, where we will bring uh, mycologists, psychology microdosers, that's a community of microdosers, and they will talk about their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's coming back to, to what I talked about, the, the studies and bringing the studies and community together. So we really much want to put accent on how for other people to hear how does it feel to microdose not only like educate yourself and then like a dry knowledge we will bring actual microdosers who will talk about it so that's yeah. also one one thing that we're really proud of we managed to to achieve yeah yeah awesome yeah one of the justifications i've heard for microdosing among many personal testimonies of people who claim that it works wonders for them is that maybe this is a more responsible way to introduce psychedelics to the mainstream. Of course, you're always going to have people like myself who gravitate towards psychedelics and who have done so. But when you start thinking about population level dynamics and, you know, millions of people or huge amounts of people, I certainly would advise caution, but before people rush headfirst into doing macro doses. And that's not to say I don't believe that they can be tremendously beneficial. And I also advocate for cognitive liberty. But the reality of the situation is that I think that smaller doses are a great way to learn about how mushrooms and how psychedelics impact you. And for an example there, my first couple of doses were around around 1.5 grams of mushrooms, which is more than a microdose, but it's a lot smaller than taking a big dose. And, and in that regard, once I felt called to do a bigger dose and I had done my research and I had read books and I had gone on Arrowwood forums, I already had a frame of reference for how mushrooms impacted my system and my mind. And I think that's really valuable because there's this narrative now that that unfortunately gets trumpeted that mushrooms equal mental health. And that might not always be the case. I certainly believe that mm-hmm. they're a profoundly powerful tool and they can be, but you know, I wasn't using them out in public, you know, my first couple times. And well, that's not true. My first time was in public, but it was a small dose. <laughs> but, you know, just just <laughs> I think it's really important that people learn how these substances impact them before they jump headfirst in all the way in. And microdosing honestly could be a great way to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. So, okay. got, yeah. And yeah. also, I want to mention, I don't want to bring like the mom energy again, but I really, we really want to, to educate people on, on risks and harm reduction. And I want to say, if you're trying psilocybin or any other psychedelic drug uh, for the first time, please bear in mind, have a sitter because playing with consciousness is just a slippery slope and you need you need somebody to be there for you. If you don't know what you're doing, it's the if and if you don't have money or access to guide or a practitioner, we know they can be expensive. Uh, you can just ask your friend who is experienced or or find somebody who is experienced that you can trust and, and have them be with you because you, you, there are so many situations that can happen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is the last question I have for you today. What else do people need to know about the Microdosing Mushrooms Conference before you kick it off? What are the dates? Where can people find out more information about it? 
So it's a one-day conference, as Alex mentioned. It's November 19th. Um, more information can be found on our website, www.psilocybinsf.com. So uh, I don't know why I said www. It was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, psilocybinsf.com, come there and uh, you'll see all, all the info. And, and also there is info about our course and conference, everything you need. Um, also, we want to say that we support um, education accessible to everybody. And uh, we have two sets of tickets. One, it's an intro deal, $12, and other is Psychonaut deal, that's $38. And currently, it's early bird, 20% uh, discount. So please um, hurry up. It's until uh, November 1st. And also for Psychonaut deal, we have prepared a virtual goodie bag, um rich will with discounts uh everything mushroom birch supplements um uh even uh mushroom retreat uh apps and anything you can think of it's of it's there in our goodie bag so um come and check it out awesome thank you both so much for coming on the micropreneur podcast and for your continued support i know both of you have really helped to share what I've been doing and uh, I want to return the favor here and, and grow together. So thanks for the great work that you're doing and congratulations on organizing another successful event. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. We, we also want, we also want to mention that we will have your video at the beginning of the conference playing. Uh, so you, people I cannot know miss, if you can say it. <laughs> people cannot miss that. So please come and, uh, and experience that. Absolutely. All right. Have a great day. And I'll be looking Thank forward you, Dennis. to seeing the conference. Yeah. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much, Dennis. Love your Bye. work. Speak soon. Ciao. Bye-bye. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao. And that is a wrap. Thank you for sticking around to the bitter end. It's very sweet of you to commit so thoroughly. Don't be a stranger. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please consider checking out the substantial backlog while you're at it. You can reach out to me via email, micopreneur at gmail.com. Or hit me on any of the numerous social platforms that I'm currently active on. At Micopreneur Podcast is the handle on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all very much for sticking around. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you back here next week on the Micopreneur Podcast.